We are Pixie and Ogre. This is an intersectional LGBTQIA plus friendly podcast led by two lesbians living in the sticks of North Carolina. We discuss topics that support our values, including pro-Black Lives Matter, pro-trans and gender non-binary, and pro-sex work, among many other topics. Pixie is me, Mel. I hold a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Ogre is Laura, who has no degrees or licenses, but just likes to hear her sarcastic fat-ass talk. Good afternoon. It's Pixie or Mel. And Laura or the Ogre. <laughs> the Ogre, I like that. Our topic today is labels. I am pro-labels. I love labels. The more labels I have, the more empowered I feel. And Laura, how do you feel about labels? <laughs> I feel the opposite about labels. <laughs> I, I don't really like labels and don't understand the need. I do understand the need for people to have them, but I don't, I don't agree with it. Okay, fair enough. Well, I thought it would be a treat for me to share some, not all, but some of the labels that I identify with. Okay. Okay. So I would consider myself queer, but I would def I, I would definitely um, meet the criteria for someone who's pansexual, and I'll go into more about what that is later. I'm a witch. I'm body neutral. What, what does body neutral mean? So instead of body positive, which purports that all bodies are beautiful, body neutrality says that all bodies are valid. We'll come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a spoonie or chronically ill. I like either. I'm mentally ill. I don't know if that's politically correct, but I like that label for myself. And I'm a Scorpio and I'm Italian. And I feel like those two things are pretty, you know, indicative of my personality. So typically if I say that to someone, they kind of know. What, that you're just crazy or? Yeah, I'm a, like, I'm a force to be reckoned with. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The Scorpio alone is kind of scary. And then the Italian added on to it. Right. You know, from New England. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Stuff. A, a northern scoop of Scorpio. <laughs> oh, by the way. Um, my childhood bestie corrected me, or informed me, I should say, that people from Connecticut are called nutmeggers. And I knew that. Not Connecticans, nutmeggers, because it's the nutmeg state. Oh, God. So I'm a nutmegger. I think that's adorable. I, oh, <clears throat> my eye rolls can't be captured. I'm spicy. Oh, wow. Officially. A nutmegger. A nutmegger. Yeah. I think it's precious. Okay. <laughs> I'll be in the corner rolling my eyes. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be first in flight like North Carolina. It's just, you know, that's a little dull. W would you call us first in flighters? No, North Carolinians. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm losing Laura. So <laughs> I'm going to include this article um, in, in this website. It is a comprehensive, and I mean comprehensive, list of all the LGBTQ plus labels and vocabulary definitions, and it's exhaustive. Um, but I did want to touch on some that have been getting a little bit more recognition lately that maybe might need some clarification. So the first one is asexual. I don't know about you, but I've been hearing a lot more of asexual pride and people who have been coming out as asexual. 
Yeah, I've been hearing a lot more about it, but it's one of those things that I, I know what it means, but I don't really know what it means. Okay. Well, I'll give you the official definition. Okay. So it's experiencing little or no sexual attraction to others and or a lack of interest in sexual relationships or behavior. And just like anything, there's a spectrum. So there can be folks who don't have any desire whatsoever and and just have relationships that are not sexual. And then there are others who are, you know, have times or, you know, moments in their lives where they're sexual, but for the most part, that's not what they connect with. Is there a reason behind this? Like, or, or do they have <clears throat> trauma history or? You know, the definition doesn't say, and that would be interesting to dive into. It does say, um, asexuality exists on a continuum from people who experience no sexual attraction or have any desire for sex to those who experience low levels or only under specific conditions. So that kind of makes me think it could be rolling into other orientations that are more like connecting with someone emotionally, connecting with someone intellectually. Um, well, part of the definition was under certain circumstances. That's right. So if someone doesn't, if someone can't become aroused or enjoy being sexually intimate unless it's, um, I don't know, pick something out of the ordinary. Oh, like, like. Unless they're, let's say that they're urinated on. Okay, I was going to say stepped on with a high heel, but we'll go with urinated on. Either one I think I like is it. fine. <laughs> I like it. Okay. So would that put them into the category of asexual or would that put them into a category, like a kink category? So this is what's interesting about labels. <clears throat> I think it depends on the person. So I think for me, the reason that labels are empowering to me is because I'm choosing them but I wouldn't want someone else to put me in a category. Why does having labels, you said it, you feel empowered by it. Does. It does. Why do you feel empowered by having labels? Because I feel like, especially with social media being what it is and how we can connect with people all over the world, 24 hours a day, I have a constant community of, of folks who identify the same as me, who just understand certain things. So I have, Instagram friends who have chronic pelvic pain like I do or consider themselves um, to have mental illnesses and have obsessive compulsive disorder. It's liberating to connect with those folks and know that you're not alone, especially if you're having a tough time. Right. I can understand. <clears throat> and that's why we human beings label things in general, because it, it enables us to... it allows us to categorize things and to understand them. So we know that bread, it's a food. We know we can eat it. That's right. Um, Gasoline is not, so we shouldn't. Exactly. <clears throat> so that, that's where like labels, um, I think, are helpful, is being able to categorize things. But human beings aren't things. And so even though you, feel, you may feel liberated and empowered by having a like-minded or people in a group or a community that you know can relate to you, don't right. you feel like you're limiting yourself as well? Like if you, if your circle of community on your social media pages is predominantly people who identify as having a mental illness or having right. you know, chronic pain, 
do you feel like maybe you're you're overlooking you're not getting other people's perspectives to things or other people's like I, I my opinion is that labeling we're putting ourselves in boxes right that, I do hear and, that often and, and I don't want to be put in a box I don't want to be labeled I want to be I want to be a human being right and if you would like to get to know me right then you can find out more about me but I feel like saying I'm a vegan lesbian Oh, I'm Demo in. Uh, you know, vegan, lesbian, Democrat. That puts me into... Democratic sex. socialist? Perhaps. Okay, perhaps. I'm in. I'm following that person on Instagram. Then I feel like that puts me into a really narrow box and that people, other people, automatically make assumptions about me as a person right. based on the labels that I've given to myself. I, so yeah. I feel like by putting myself into this box that's neatly labeled. Right. I feel like I'm missing out on people. Okay. I'm missing out on maybe connecting or being able to experience right. other people and other people's perspectives and opinions and, you know, but when people look at the label and they say, ah, oh, she's a vegan lesbian, I'm not into that. Okay. And and they they move on because they're not they're looking for a Republican meat eater or whatever. Sure. And, and so I feel like and I feel like everybody uses labels so like they just throw them around. Like you know if you if you label yourself, I'm using vegan as an example. Yeah, go for it. I myself am not a vegan, but I don't walk around feeling the need to announce to everybody and everything that I am not a vegan. And yet, right. a lot of vegans that I know, or a lot of vegetarians that I know, I hear it frequently. <laughs> I can't eat that, I'm a vegan. Oh gosh, I can't wear that, I'm a vegan. I can't do that, I'm a vegan. But then, one time out of their entire lives, they choose to eat something that perhaps is not vegan. Right. And, and all of a sudden, people are jumping down their throats. Oh my God, you're a vegan, you can't do that, you can't do that. And it's the label that they've put on themselves that's right that is restricting them well and if and, and it's causing other people to view them in a different way you know you can i don't go out and say everybody i'm an omnivore <laughs> hello feed right. me um right i just eat what i want to eat and i don't feel the need to label that right and the same thing about you know sexuality i don't feel the need to announce mm -hmm. all the time I'm a lesbian I'm asexual hey guys I'm heterosexual <laughs> you right. know I, I don't it's not that I'm hiding it but my label is human okay that's my label I hear you and I agree to an extent so I think the reason I find labels empowering and not restrictive is because I am in control of it and I am in control of the narrative so if for five months, I am saying I'm vegan and then I eat Chick-fil-A. That's my choice. And I'm now I'm whatever I decide to classify myself as that day. I might be vegan-ish. I might be, you know, 80% vegan or whatever the case may be. It's interesting the comparison that you draw of not announcing being an omnivore because I think these 
the labels that I'm sharing for the most part, I mean, aside from like Scorpio and Italian, that was just kind of funny, but the other labels are other. They're not typical, I guess you would say. They're not heteronormative. They're not cis-normative, which we'll get to what those terms mean, but they are, because I feel like other, it's empowering to have words that express my otherness. Like most people are omnivores and most people are straight or heterosexual. So there wouldn't be a need to announce that because there's, we live in a heteronormative society where we assume everyone is straight and it's empowering to embrace that otherness, at least for me. I can, I can definitely see that point of view. Um, I am not judging you by saying this at all. Okay. I hope you don't take this as a judgment. <laughs> but if I'm using you as an example, please. If you walk around for six months, right, calling yourself a vegan, that's right, and you go through a lot of extra steps to prepare vegan meals, that's and right, and live a vegan lifestyle. Yes. And, and I respect that. I, right. I totally respect that. But. For some reason, let's say tonight, you decide that you really want to eat a, a Snickers. Okay. Which I don't think is vegan. Well, it's not vegan. Milk chocolate. Milk chocolate. That's so, right. Um, isn't that kind of hypocritical? I mean, if you're going to label yourself, label yourself. That's fine. But, you know, guys, I'm not vegan for these 30 seconds. Oh, I'm back to being vegan. It's, you know... I don't know. It's kind of like highlighting your otherness when maybe we should just be highlighting us. I, I see your point and I, I see where you're coming from. I don't necessarily agree because I, I feel like I'm always in transition. I'm always transitioning to better myself. So I've often used the phrase, I'm transitioning to vegan. And I think for me, like identifying as a witch, these are things I'm constantly learning and growing with. It's not a definitive, like I'm a witch this way today and I'm a witch this way tomorrow. It might morph and change over time as would potentially, for me personally, my diet or my ethical beliefs or how I choose to express those. Right, I can see that. Right. So. For me, by saying I'm working on transitioning to vegan or I'm working to be mostly vegan, for me, and quite honestly, I don't owe anyone an explanation. You know, it's a label I'm, I've decided to put on myself and it's a label I can decide to take off of myself if I chose to. Right. As far as being hypocritical, I mean, to who? I mean, it's not hurting anyone and it's not affecting anyone except for me. Right. Or the person. I know we're using me as an example, but so I don't see where choosing to change my label or transition my label for my personal choice would impact anyone else and therefore how could it be hypocritical? What if you're a Christian? What if you okay. are what if your label is you are a Republican Christian? Sure. You live by Christian rules and Well, what are Christian rules? Old school Christian, you live by the Bible. Okay. But 
you don't want to help people. You don't want to help immigrants. Right. You hate gay people. That's right. Yeah. You hate people of color. Mm -hmm. You. How is that being a Christian? So it's not. I mean, so I like to kind of look at is someone's behavior Christ-like or is someone's behavior Christian? Because unfortunately, in this country, there is a very whitewashed view of Christianity. So all those things that you just said actually do sound like, like fundamental Christianity in this country, which is the United States that we live. Um, but as far as being Christ-like, no, not, none of those things are Christ-like. I mean, if Christ was alive today, you know, he would be at the rallies and the protests and be in it with the people. Oh, absolutely. You know, so, and then it, that brings into debate, like, different Christian denominations. So, as mentioned in the cult episode, you know, I was raised Catholic for a time until I was about 10. Um, and I have lots of friends who are Catholic or, you know, obviously all of my family is Catholic. One of the main tenets of Catholicism is to not have sex until you get married. I do not know anyone who has lived by that, but they identify as Catholic. That's just hypocritical. How can you be a quarter of the way in or halfway in and you can just pick and choose which rules or what are the commandments you're going to follow and what right. you're, you're not. I mean, right. it, I don't know. That, that's a whole religion topic. <laughs> I mean, that's something else that pisses me off. But, but it does definitely go with labels because I, and I think that was a good comparison to draw that things aren't always so cut and dry. And, and we do, we do change things to fit the times and what we want to do in the moment. I mean, that, and yes, that is the definition of hypocritical. I, I agree with you on that. Well, let me ask you this. If we're talking about the LGB, whatever, all of those acronyms and, and whatever, labels. Right. I'm 47. And so let's say I've identified as, as a lesbian. Right. For the majority of my life. But that doesn't discount that I find men attractive. Right. I mean, I've seen many attractive men that, sure. you know, that just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, you, you okay I, over I there? I don't know what to say. <laughs> Do you need a fan? Does, or you that, right? does that negate my label of being a lesbian? What if there's in the future that the, there's a man that I actually want to sleep with? Right. Would that negate the fact that, that I label myself as a lesbian? I don't think so. Instead of labeling myself as a lesbian, should I have gone back to the beginning and labeled myself as pansexual or? I mean, I think a lot of these labels could fit a lot of people in general because a lot of them are so inclusive. And that's what I like about the LGBTQIA plus acronyms is that it is inclusive. And so there's been articles and I can certainly put those in the show notes too, talking about are these labels harmful or helpful? And there's articles saying both. Um, but even within those labels, there's inclusivity, at least ideally there should be, you know, so traditionally 
bisexuality, the B in the LGBTQIA plus has gotten a bad rap. And I think within the gay community that has been considered, you know, people who are confused or people who just haven't chosen a side yet. There's, there used to be this belief when I was coming out in the early 2000s that a bisexual woman was really straight and would end up with a man and a bisexual man was really gay and would end up with a man. And so lesbians were very leery of bi women. And when I first came out, I identified as bisexual because same as you, I found men and women attractive. So I just assumed that's, that was my sexual orientation. But there was definitely a stigma to that. And then of course, for the trans community, I mean, for LGBT or LGBT, LGB rights as far as getting same-sex marriage and trans community was pushed out of that conversation very much like women of color were pushed out of the suffragette movement of like we have to you know fight for our rights first before we can help anyone else i don't think that's right no i don't think it's right yeah but i i mean i think the whole labeling thing is just not right i mean i it's restrictive it to you. It was restrictive to me. Limiting. And, I, and, and, and I feel that I, I appreciate and respect that you like to be labeled so that you can empower yourself and point out that you're the other. Right. Because, but what's wrong with people assuming that you're straight or assuming, you know, it's like, why do we have to um, put a road map? to our differences or to our otherness or... Right, well, so what labels I choose to, for example, like with um, like a social media profile like Instagram, I choose to put some of my labels in my bio because I want to be someone who can support others going through the same thing. And when I'm looking for people to connect with or posts that will interest me, I can look up any hashtag. I'm not just shown information that's exclusive to the labels that I identify with. So I follow many different kinds of people and so I'm going to see many different kinds of content because that's how I've set it up. But as far as if someone were to follow me, I want them to know what they can expect from me, what kind of content they can expect from me, and what kind of support potentially they could expect from me. Okay, I think looking at it, at it from a, a social media perspective, right. I can see where labels would be helpful on social media. Um, but, I mean, I guess my labeling issues are direct person-to-person -person contact. Gotcha. I mean, I think if you're, if you're dating or if you're in sure. the market and sure. you're looking, I think that labels could be important because it helps, we, you know, it helps people weed out what they don't want. Right. You know, if, if I absolutely do not want to date someone who is bisexual, you know, then that's the place to say I am a hardcore lesbian. Hardcore. Hardcore. hardcore wow. Yes. And that's all I want. Um, <laughs> or if you're open to other, you know, orientations, then sure. that's the place to put it. But, you know, when I meet someone for the first time in a social situation, right? I'm not, hi, my name is Laura. I'm, you know, lesbian. I'm vegetarian. I'm democratic. I'm, you know, those labels aren't there because I want someone to get to know me. 
but they those labels come out eventually because I mean while I I completely embrace labels I'm not introducing myself to people with you know 10 labels after hi nice to meet you but it's an identifier to un so that they can understand a little bit more about me so to kind of go off a little bit on like the mental illness and chronic illness labels that took me a long time to embrace more than the other labels that we talked about because there's a lot of stigma and shame surrounded about around ability and illness in this country um and now i find it empowering because i do have limitations at times and i do want to explain that those limitations may impact you know plans that i've made with someone two weeks ago when i was you know maybe feeling really good and having a good self-esteem day maybe even being a little hypomanic and you know feeling myself and like yeah let's do something in two weeks and then in two weeks I have chronic pelvic pain that's at a 10 and I'm in a depressive episode instead of just canceling and that person not understanding the context of it I can use those labels as a, a tool to, for them to understand where I'm at right now and I I think that's important but if the person knows you then they know you have chronic pain and mental illness well how would they know that if I didn't tell them if I didn't label myself that way Hopefully, they would know who you are just because they know you, uh, and it wouldn't be, you know, a surprise to them that you have chronic pain or you have to cancel because of whatever. Right, but I think, and I don't think this is the case for everyone, but for me personally, because I I do still contend with so much shame about my limitations and my illnesses, I do find it empowering to finally embrace it and be comfortable saying I am someone who has a mental illness called obsessive compulsive disorder or I have chronic pain issues that flare up occasionally and completely out of my control. I can understand it. Doesn't mean I agree with you. Fair enough. Fair enough. What are some more definitions or from the LGBTQIA plus plus awesome. That was awesome. So we've got cisgender, and I pull this word out sometimes in our conversations, and I usually get like a huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> cisgender is a gender description for someone's sex assigned at birth and gender identity that corresponds in an expected way. So for example, I am a cisgendered female uh, or a cis female or cis woman, however you want to say it. I was born female and I identify as female. So my my birth sex and my gender identity match. I mean, are people actually walking around? Yes. Using this term I use them, as their identity? I use them in my intake assessments and I use them in intakes with my clients and we ask about sexual orientation and gender identity, what are your preferred pronouns? Absolutely. I, I just I just don't see people walking around being like, hey, I'm cisgendered male, I'm a cisgendered female, I'm a heteronormative. Again. I, 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 I just don't see the need for this. So you know, you're, you're, either, you're either human or you're not. I wish it were that simple, but I think that's, 
I think that's an argument some people would use for differences in race, differences in sexual orientation, same as differences in gender. When it's when you are othered, so because I'm I don't identify as a trans person and I don't believe that you identify as a trans person, it's our identity is already assumed for us. You know, I'm a fairly like straight passing, female passing person. There's a lot of perceiving that happens just by me walking around. But not everyone, you know, folks who are gender non-binary, who are trans, who who are in that category where they feel othered, that that assumption is harmful and can often be fatal in the sense of you know when people are dating and if they were to find out this person i who i thought was male was born female then there's aggression there can be violence suicide i'm not discounting that at all and i think that dating needs to be separate if we're you know if you're dating if you're in the market for a partner whether it's just a Um, a sexual relationship or you're looking for a long-term relationship, I think that you have to be honest about everything. Fair. Upfront and honest. Okay. And and that's just my opinion, whatever whatever your situation is. But I think what bothers me is sometimes I feel like by putting a label on ourselves, we are drawing attention to the fact that we are different. Yes. And whether this is right or wrong, and I, I, I believe it's wrong, I think that that kind of gives other people a certain way to think about us. So let's say that I'm a trans man. And a trans man, just to clarify, would be someone who was born female but identifies as male. and that can mean any part of the spectrum of maybe maybe they've had gender confirmation surgery, maybe they haven't. We don't ask people about body parts, that kind of thing, but that would be what a trans man would be. Okay. So let's say I identify as male and I'm in the process of transitioning from, you know, female to male. If I if I announce that, if I label myself as that, other people are, who may not even think about that. Right. Now they, they're like, oh, oh, yeah. I thought you were a dude. Okay. Well, I am a dude. Yeah, but you're trans. Okay. So can you give me a scenario where this would come out where it would be problematic? That's not a dating situation because you've already said dating, we want everything out there. Yeah, dating is completely separate. So let's, how about a work situation? A work situation, if you, they hire someone, they bring them in for the first day and, and for all intents and purposes, they look male, they act male, they are male. Okay. And let's say you work with them for a while and you're, let's say you're playfully work flirting with them. And then you find (laughs) out, you find out that they were born a female and it's like, they tell you, yeah, I'm a, I'm a trans man. And automatically, I'm not saying you personally, because right. you have an open, open mind, right. you know, compared to other people, but you know, a co-worker might automatically think, oh my God, you've been, you've 
been fucking lying to me for four months that we've been getting to know each other and working together. I thought you were a dude. And they are a dude, you know, but a lot of people, they can't wrap their head around this. That sounds like their problem. It does, not but the if you trans don't, man's anna- if you don't walk around announcing this, if, mm-hmm. why do you have to tell people that you're trans? If you, you don't are, have to, if you are living as a man and you identify as a man, right, then be a fucking man. And for all intents and purposes, like you said, that that person is, and depending on their comfort level and depending on the open-mindedness of their workplace, they may never disclose that they are a trans man they may say, I am a man because they are a man. What this kind of brings up is for folks who are gender non-conforming or gender non-binary, and let me go out and get that official definition up for us. So, all right, so let's see. We have gender non-conforming, a gender descriptor that indicates a non-traditional gender expression or identity. So for example, like a masculine woman, that's just an example from the article. And the second definition is a gender identity label that indicates a person who is outside of the gender binary. Um, So there's different variants of their, you know, there's gender queer, there's gender fluid, there's gender non-binary. Many of these folks would don't identify with either or maybe even identify with both genders and and express different genders on different days and these folks may choose to use pronouns like they or them or z and zer which is another common alternative that that in and of itself the request and the need that needs to be met of their preferred pronouns in a work environment would automatically invite conversation about what that means for someone who's not familiar. I agree, and I think that everybody in general needs to be more open-minded and accepting, and instead of trying to figure things out, just accept them for what they are. Well, yeah, I, I, think, I think that is the, I think that's the moral of it, yeah. A lot of people just get bogged down with the labels because they don't understand them. I mean, for example, my older sister is in her 50s, Okay. and I think she's 54. Anyway, I don't know. And she's kind of, she's Mm open-minded, but she doesn't, like, get a lot of this stuff. Right. And that's okay. You know, she she doesn't care. Right. But it's it's a lot. It's a lot for people to wrap their heads around because it's, you know, now we have dictionaries. You know, this whole website you've got here. Yeah, this is incredible. It just, to me, it's confusing and it's scary, to be honest with you. It's a little bit scary because I don't want to fuck up and I don't want to embarrass anybody Mm -hmm. or hurt anybody because I I don't care. But you're going to fuck up and that's okay. I know, I know, and luckily when I do fuck up, it's usually just me and you, and you know, you're able right. to correct me, and it's, but it's going to happen in public, and I don't want to embarrass myself either, and so this is why another reason, it's like somebody tells me, well, we're going to meet so-and-so at the bar, and they're a transgender, heteronormative, 
cis pansexual and I am so confused at this point I don't know if we're meeting a frog oh or I, I am just so confused I mean, you know you're meeting a human and just tell me that we're meeting so-and-so they but, are a human being so okay one might argue and and I have to say I, I just categorically do not agree with that it's too much I think I think if you have someone in your life and these labels are important and they trust you enough to tell you about that. Oh, absolutely. It's your, you know, it's our responsibility to meet them there and do the work. Absolutely. And if it's someone that you know see, and love and well, a friend or whatever, then no, yes. Anyone, the coworkers, I mean, colleagues. Coworkers, colleagues, yes. But if we are going to meet somebody randomly at a bar that you happen to know, mm -hmm. just tell me their name. And their pronouns. If you know their pronouns, yes. Okay. If not, when I meet them and introduce myself to them, I will either ask for their pronouns, right, or hopefully they will give me their pronouns. I mean, I can't imagine that in most typical situations, there's the laundry list of labels that you're suggesting. I can't think of a time where I've introduced you to someone or we've met someone and I've given you eight labels connected to that person. I may say, this person is non-binary, they prefer they and them, um, you know, let's just try to do that. Um, but the it being too much and it being confusing really kind of makes me cringe a little bit because it makes me think of like when folks were coming out as gay and you know, being openly gay and having open same-sex relationships, gee, that had to be really tough on the straight people to like wrap their heads around that and like change their language and not be heterosexist and heteronormative and assume everyone is straight. Oh, fucking well, tough. Like they still haven't done that. Well, right, but I'm as. As someone as myself who is who is queer and who feels othered in a lot of different ways, I think that these labels are empowering and I feel like it is our responsibility to make sure that everyone feels included and fuck the hard work. I mean, just talk to the person. You're not expected to know everyone's gender and sexual identity sight unseen, but if they trust you with that information, I don't think it's, I don't think it's too much to ask or confusing or. If we keep it simple, but if you've got six or seven labels that you're doling out. Again, I don't, I don't know when this has happened to you. I don't think it has. <laughs> I think I've I, I want to know this eight label person that you've met I, on the first meeting that just has thrown you for a loop. Well, I, a friend started dating someone and they have a lot of labels and I have no clue what half of them mean. Okay. And I, it's, I don't care what the labels are. I see them as a person. But they care. I understand that they care, but I see them as a person. I see them as the gender they want to be seen as, okay. and I see them as the human being that they want themselves to be seen as. Okay. But whether they're pansexual or bisexual or questioning or queer or any of those, that doesn't matter to me. Right. But as you're getting to know someone, you know, and, and let's use the lesbian community as an example. So, you know, I 
I identify in many different ways. I use queer because it seems to be more inclusive to the fact that I would be open to dating anyone regardless of sexual identity, gender identity, or sexual orientation. Um, that's not the official definition. I will give that to you at the end, but I choose queer because I think it just kind of explains I'm not straight. I'm not a straight person. Um, but within the lesbian community, if I, being a queer person, am dating a woman and we go to like a lesbian barbecue or picnic as we love to have, um, and people start chatting with me and talking to me about, you know, previous relationships. And I mentioned that I've dated this woman and I've dated this man. Well, skirt, you've dated a man. I thought you were gay. Well, I'm queer. Well, I, you're bi? Well, no, I, I guess technically I would be panse so, pansexual. So sometimes, many times, it's the very people that don't understand that get caught up in the labels themselves. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I'm just thinking that about That was wistful. This. I was thinking about the, the last lesbian um, cookout I went to, and it was you know, 30 lesbians of varying ages. Sounds amazing. And, but the point of it is, is that if we were all there as a group of okay. lesbians, meaning women, and that was important to us because we were a safe space. We were a community. We okay. were, you know, we could support each other and understand each other. And so if somebody had showed up to this cookout mm -hmm. and let's say they were, they were bisexual and they showed up with their boyfriend, then I can hear the brakes being, you know, applied right. to everybody, like just staring. Like, but why? That's, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. But why? Like if we can be a community, and I think it's because if we were a community of women, of lesbians. And, and even if we could accept a bisexual woman mm -hmm. into the fold, you right. know, because that's totally fine, it's the addition of the man. So one might assume, or, or at least I would assume, that if a bisexual woman who has a strong connection to the lesbian community and happens to be dating a man, I would assume that that man that she's dating is inclusive and open-minded and not heterosexist and, you know, doesn't do things that would make the lesbian, the community of lesbians uncomfortable. He's still a man, he has male energy. Mm. Okay. That changes but even isn't if, he just a human? No, he has a label. He is a man. He is a cis, cis man. Man. Okay. And what does that mean to you? Just they're different. Okay. But I might assume before getting to know the person that even with that male energy that there is a feminist spirit in there that that gets it. Otherwise, I don't think this person would want to be at a lesbian cookout. And I don't know that this person would be dating someone who's bisexual, who's closely tied with the lesbian community. You never know. 
Well, you never know. But again, I, I'm meeting this person for the very first time. Those are kind of the assumptions that I would, I would go with. And I would want to be inclusive to that person until potentially that person didn't seem to have the energy that matched with the group. But I'm going to assume if this person trusts to bring this energy to the group that they're close with, that it must be a match. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. Okay. Well, there's been a lot of that today, but I like it. And just to clear up, you know, this, I, I do think this topic kind of illuminates our age difference. So Laura did share that she was 47. I'm 38. Um, and we do plan on doing an episode about our generational differences, but this does seem to be one topic that there does seem to be some, some diversion with. I'm not against it. I'm, oh, I know. I'm anybody who has a pulse I, is a human <laughs> being and I, Absolutely. I'm very accepting and, but it's new, it's new and it's difficult and it's, I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying I'm not trying, but I, I do get confused. Oh, you're absolutely trying. I mean, you, I, I, to kind of go back to the fear of fucking up, I think, um, I think we're going to fuck up and being okay with that and being okay with correcting ourselves in the moment or even after the fact. I've had those moments where I've just, I don't know, said yes ma'am to someone who is non-binary and was corrected and I totally understood and was like, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. It was just like a saying that I say and didn't even think about the gender connotation or um, you know, having known someone as using one pronoun for years and then learning a new one and the, the driving home from a social situation realizing I misgendered that person the entire evening and I didn't correct myself, but then fixing it and, and reaching out to that person and saying, I just want you to know, I acknowledge the they them pronouns I don't know why I wasn't correcting myself I'm going to work harder and I think that's that's all anyone expects I don't think anyone expects us to get it the very first time but as long as we're trying and working to, to learn I think that's what matters I think for folks who are just like this is too fucking hard I don't care you look like a boy I'm going to call you a boy uh, that's problematic. Right. That is problematic yeah. because we're not, we're not taking into account other people. Exactly. You know, we're only looking at our own, exactly. our own issues, our own, you know, this is just, it's easier. You look like a boy, you act like a boy. Right. Or I've always known you as this, so I'm not going to call you, you know, I'm going to call you your dead name, which for those who don't know, if someone is, uh, identifies as trans and or non-binary and they, decide to have, you know, go by a different name that kind of encompasses their gender identity, the name they were born with is considered their dead name. And for someone to consistently and at times sometimes aggressively continue to use that, it's called being dead named. I tutor a uh, high school freshman on two days a week anyway, and he is in school, but it's online. so. For two days a week, he, he sits here and takes his Zoom classes, and right. I 
um, over here, you know, the class. Sure. And he has one particular teacher that consistently calls him by his dead name. Okay. And that's and mm, says, so invalidating. Says, ma'am. When he answers a question correctly, the no. teacher responds with, yes, ma'am, or you got that right, ma'am. And every time I hear it, I just, I get this horrible chill. And I, I, I want to jump through the computer yep. and, and just, you know, shake this teacher yep. and be like, you are, you are disrespecting this kid so hard right now. Absolutely. And you don't know how damaging it is. And, and being only 14, I imagine it's hard, if not impossible, to assert himself. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I mean, yeah, that's, but the, the fact that you, you have that knee jerk, like, oh, that's a problem. That's a good sign. Okay. Because it means, like, you get it. Like, you get it. You, it, it's, it's hard at times for you. It's new. But it doesn't mean that you don't agree with it or support it or aren't open to it. Oh, not at all. So I think, you know, that's how we should all feel when we hear someone dead named or misgendered, like, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember the previous job that I had, we were getting um, a new coworker and we learned that this uh, person preferred the pronouns they and them. And so, for most counseling jobs, you know, we find out someone's starting with us like about a month before they actually start. So the month leading up to, I mean, I really worked on using they and them and um, we all did as a team try to do it. There were a couple of times when the new colleague, without being there because they hadn't started yet, was misgendered and I would correct and I'd get like, oh, you know, it's so hard and I'd say like, but that that's what the practice is for because not that we want it to be perfect by the time they got there, but we didn't want it to be brand new when they got there, especially knowing a month ahead of time and knowing that they had, you know, consciously informed human resources to like let us know so that we could respect that. Right. Um, Sure, it's hard, and and we're going to fuck up. But I think as long as we're sincere and our intentions are good. Let me ask you this, please. If this is kind of a strange question, <laughs> I if, love strange questions. If you got a new coworker tomorrow, yes, and they were, I mean, they look like a woman. Okay. They talk like a woman. They look like a woman. They act like a woman. But they wanted to be called by the pronouns he or him. Okay. Where do you think the issue lies with people having a difficult time remembering that? Is it because when we look at someone, we automatically see either male or female characteristics that define their gender? Or is it because we simply just can't understand that somebody who looks like a female wants to be called her, I mean, uh, him or her? Hear him, right. Hear him, yeah, right. sorry. No, <laughs> you look like you needed help, so I threw you a life raft. Um, so that's a very interesting statement, and the first thing I thought of when you said it is, what does a woman look like? I mean, right, so I'm, I'm kind of being like a little facetious because, I mean, women look like all kinds of things. So, but I guess what you mean is like a cis-normative woman yes. who has feminine features 
And so I think your question being where where is the disconnect? I think the, the, the answer is actually in the question. It's because we do have a heteronormative and cis-normative society that we've been raised in. Everyone's assumed to be straight unless otherwise out it or you know outing themselves or announcing and everyone's considered to be the sex they were the the gender that they were assigned at birth unless otherwise announced so that's the issue and it it I mean that's just like one of a thousand fucking systems in this society that we live in that should just be burned to the fucking ground like gender reveal parties are like nails on a chalkboard for me. Why can't we have gender reveal parties for adults? Well, that would be awesome, but why do we have gender reveal parties for babies? Um, for babies? Yeah, we I hate don't those. know what their gender is because they're not here yet. Right. So it's, it's really more like a this is the biological anatomy that the the baby has right now party. My but baby a, has a dick. It, Woo! It, my baby doesn't have a dick. Woo! I mean, what difference does it make? Exactly. It's a fucking baby. But we're very focused on that. And and that's that's where labels have been problematic and restricting in the past. That's why I feel these labels are empowering. I, I totally they're, get it. They're inclusive. I totally get it. And yeah. I and I think my my dislike of labels is just going to be a dislike because I, I still have labels. I still label other people. Sure. So I, I, even though I dislike them, it's not a... What would be like your number one label for yourself? So I know you don't like lists of labels, but if you were like describing yourself to someone, I'm Laura the Ogre. Ogre. That's, That's just it. my label. That's just it. I'm short. I'm round. I'm grumpy. <laughs> You're not grumpy. I don't like people. I'm the type of person who would sit on their porch and say, get off my lawn. Uh, 100%, yes. Do not knock on my door. Do not come okay, to my house. Okay, but to be fair, you do answer the door every time someone knocks, even though I do not want to answer the door. We have no idea who's on the other side. Our peephole is like eight feet high. Yeah, that's a weird peephole. It's very strange. But I don't answer the door. Don't come to my house. Just that's <laughs> the end of the story. Don't don't come to my house. Fair enough. I like that. We'll just wrap it up with that. I did want to give the official definition of pansexual, even though I, I don't think it differs much from what I said. But pansexual is a person who experiences sexual, romantic, physical, and or spiritual attraction for members of all gender identities and expressions often shortened to pansexual. I like it. I do too. And I, I it's becoming more popularized. Yeah. I think a lot of Gen Zers are embracing that term because it is so inclusive. It is. And you're not putting yourself into that little box. Exactly. You know, because you could be attracted to someone who's completely out of your box that you That's never right. thought you could be attracted to. I mean, think about it. This would be someone who, like me as a queer person, if I were to date someone who was asexual, completely asexual, um, that I would be, that would be, we would be in a pansexual relationship. Yeah. I, I like pansexual. I, I really do. do. I, I do really too. do. I wish we could all be pansexual people I Just all open and I have heard theories that the future of the world is going to be mostly queer 
and mostly people of color. Dear God, I hope so. Uh, dear God, I hope so too. Please, please. Hey, something's got to change. <laughs> before we before we say goodbye, please. I, what is the strangest or the not strange, but the least common? Um, term in your little definition oh. there or one that, that you don't think anybody's ever heard of before. Oh, I like this. Um, I think I might have it. Let me get it up here. Let's see. When I was dating um, last week. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was on the dating app and, and a lot of these this terminology I had to look up. Okay. Because I didn't understand it. Okay. And, and I wanted to make sure that it was, you know, um, something that I was okay with, but some of the strangest ones I heard of, I, I can't even remember them now, but they were really, really different. Okay. Not in a bad way. Right. Um, um, so couple that are, that pop into mind when I was looking at this website yesterday. So androsexual and gynosexual. Ooh, I've never heard of those. So androsexual, primarily being sexually, romantically, and or attracted to men, males, or masculinity. Okay. And then gynosexual is the same, but for women, females, and femininity. How is that different from being a lesbian or a straight person? I don't know that it is. Okay. I just know that it's another identifier. And what I like about the term is that it includes not just men, males, like... But masculinity. But masculinity and femininity. Femininity, right. Yes. Exactly. So I imagine someone could be, um, let me think here, a straight man who's also androsexual maybe attracted to a masculine woman. Ooh, yeah, that would make sense. Right? Um, and then another one is a constellation. So this is a way to describe the arrangement or structure in a polyamorous relationship. Oh, okay. Which I kind of I think that's amazing. A constellation. I mean, I just love stars, so I think that's probably why I have an affinity. But while we're on the subject, let's give the official definition of polyamory and polyamorous. So this refers to the practice of, desire for, or orientation towards having ethical, honest, and consensual non-monogamous relationships. For example, relationships that may include many partners, often shortened to poly. Yeah, I think poly is becoming more mainstream as well. And especially in Asheville, it is a, quite a popular uh, way to go. And I learned that a few years ago, the last time I was dating. I, w I was dating the last time a few years ago. Apparently, Laura was dating last week. So we probably have some things to discuss. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We hope you have a great day. If you are interested in sending us listener letters, asking for advice, sharing something unusual or topics that you want us to discuss, send an email to pixieandogrepod at gmail.com. That's P-I-X-I-E-A-N-D-O-G-R-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. Thanks.